It is good to be here this morning at Porchlight Baptist Church. Glad to have those that are here and those watching online. Pray the Lord blesses you. You pray for us this morning as we try to preach. We're back in our Romans study. Uh, this will be part number 53 of our Rooting Through Romans sermon series. And this morning we're going to be in Romans chapter 16. We're going to look at the first two verses, Lord willing, uh, on this message about Phoebe. And I've titled the message, Phoebe, a servant of the church. Romans chapter 16, if you have your Bibles, turn there please. Let's start with verse 1. And here the Bible says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sincrea, that you receive her in the Lord as become a saints, and that you assist her in whatsoever business she has need of you, for she has been a secure of many and of myself also. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the, the privilege to be in your house today. And God, we're thankful for the reading of your text this morning, your scripture that you give us. Lord, we know all scripture is profitable. And Lord, we just pray today that you help us as we go through this part of the sermon series through Romans. Lord, that you illuminate the scripture for us, guide us and lead us, and we'll give you the glory and praise for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we've reached this final chapter here in our studies in the book of Romans. Uh, Paul now starts giving commendations, uh, greetings. Usually, like we said last time that we were in this, that uh, in modern English, we greet people at the beginning of a letter and then give our goodbyes at the end. Well, it's, it's different here in Paul's letter. The greetings come at the end. And he's, he lists off several people, 27 men and 8 women, for a total of 36 different names. The majority of these names are Gentile names. They are not Jewish names. So the church at Rome, we see, had been building up with a large Gentile uh, congregation. And so uh, eight people, eight of the people that he mentions are currently with him in Corinth. The rest of them are in Rome uh, and uh, by the way, that's where Paul is writing this letter from, is Corinth. That's where he's based at the time. And so uh, he's, he's writing the letter from there, and he has some people with him. And uh, he's mentioning all these so that it shows how much he is acquainted with the people from the church at Rome. Now, he's never been there, uh, as we know. But yet he's well acquainted with folks. He is, uh, many of these no doubt were converts of his. They had came from uh, places where he preached and they traveled to Rome, uh, probably living there now. And so, you know, it's always nice when you go to a church to preach, you get invited somewhere and there's people you know and you can relate to them. And it just helps because you're able to speak and you understand kind of the people. Well, here in Paul's case, and by the way, Paul... Uh, he was a friend of people. He loved to meet people, to tell them about Jesus, but he had relationships, and relationships were very important to Paul. He used these relationships in his ministry. Not that he used people, but he used these relationships in the ministry of the Lord Jesus. And so uh, I had originally planned to cover half of this chapter this morning with all the names, and in the, the next half, in the next message, with the final two messages out of this sermon series. But after I began studying it, I realized there was simply no way possible I could do that. 
So this morning, uh, we're only looking at the first person that Paul lists in his list of, of uh, how many, 36 different people, and that is Phoebe. Phoebe. Uh, next time, Lord willing, we'll look at the next couple there, Priscilla and Aquila, and then we'll just move on from there. I don't know how many more messages we will have, uh, but we will, we will see. So let's look at those verses again. Romans 16, verses 1 and 2, I'll read them again. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sincrea, that you receive her in the Lord as become a saint, and that you assist her in whatsoever business she has need of you. For she has been a secure of many and of myself also. Well, one thing that you realize from Paul, he is not shy to give credit where credit is due. Paul is not going to take credit for some other man's work. And he's not going to take credit for things that other people's done. Uh, here he's giving credit to a woman. Uh, that is a little unusual considering Paul's day and time where women were kind of a, uh, I don't want to say it, but it's kind of, they were second class kind of. Um, they, they were not given the, the same position or authorities that men were given. And so uh, for Paul to mention a woman first, that's, that's saying something. And so here he mentions a woman named Phoebe. Now, interesting enough, I was looking up the proper pronunciation of the name that we, we say Phoebe, and uh, the, the correct uh, pronunciation is actually Phoebe. Uh, and I, I, Mary told me, don't say that, nobody knows who you're talking about. And that's true, I've never heard anybody preach on Phoebe. Uh, well, really not heard many people preach on Phoebe. Uh, she's kind of a, one of those characters that you don't hear much about. Uh, there's not anything else said about her in the whole Bible except right here in these two verses and nowhere else. So uh, anyway, if you want to call her Foy Bay, you're welcome to, but the name means bright and radiant. She was from Sincrea, just as the Bible says, and Sincrea is about five to eight miles outside the center of, of Corinth. Uh, it's a port city. Uh, Sincrea sits there uh, uh, on the side of the, of the sea uh, where people would come in for trade. They would go in and out right there into that place. So a lot of people traveling through this city. It wasn't really a city of large population, but a city that at times was uh, highly populated with travelers. Uh, no doubt Paul passed through there many, many times. Now, like I said, this is the first and only place in the entire Bible where Phoebe is mentioned. And Paul says she is a servant of the church, which is at Sincrea. If you underline things in your Bible, underline that word servant of the church, which is at Sincrea. It's important. We're going to talk about this word for just a little bit. Uh, you see, this one verse right here, believe it or not, has caused a lot of controversy. There are so-called Bible scholars out there that want to tell you this and that, but uh, this word servant that's used here, uh, and if you're using a different Bible translation other than the King James, it may not say servant. In fact, if you're using a new international version or NIV, the non-inspired version, uh, or an international standard version, ISV, or a new living translation, NLT, that word is translated as deacon. And so their Bibles say, uh, Phoebe, our sister, which is a deacon of the church. Now, is that right? Well, now, you all know that's not right, but uh, we're going to explain why that's not right as we use the Word of God to prove so. 
if you're using a revised standard version, the RSV, guess what word it uses? Deaconess. A deaconess. Uh, this is incorrect. This is not how this word should be translated in this context. Um, nowhere in the Bible will you find the word deaconess used. It's not in there. So you will hear that passed around from different places, places that don't use the King James Bible. More modern churches, they want to, they, they've just uh, fallen all over Phoebe being a deacon. She was a woman deacon. She's a deacon of the church, and so we should have deaconesses. Uh, look, I'm not one that thinks you have to run to the Greek or the Hebrew to understand God's word. Certainly not. We had the King James translators that translated the word of God into the perfect English translation of the Bible. There's no other Bible needed for English-speaking people. I believe the King James Bible to be inspired because God's word is inspired. I think the King James Bible is perfect. And so uh, we can understand the Bible by the help of the Holy Ghost and using the Bible that God has given us here. Um, but you will have those that will say, now, Brother Byron, the Greek word used here is dekonos or uh, diakonos. It's the same word that we get deacon from. And so, yes, Phoebe would be a deacon. And then they build this huge case of why women should be deacons. There is nothing further from the truth. Now, we either believe our Bibles, our King James Bibles, are infallible, which means without error, and I do believe that, or we don't believe it. Which is it going to be? You see, many of the modern translation Bible users have a big problem. They don't think the Bible is perfect. They think there's flaws, they think there's all these different things wrong with the Bible and that there's gray areas and it's not 100% correct and we'll never know because we don't have the originals. The King James Bible is the original. It's, it's, it's translated from the original. So uh, the original is there. Uh, I would hate to think that the Bible that I use is not 100% correct because if it's not 100% correct and it's got gray areas, I don't want anything to do with it. You might as well just get any old book out of the library and say, this is what God says. If this is not correct, then we don't need it. But we know that that's not the case. Our Bible is correct. First of all, that Greek word that's used there, that so-called Bible scholars want to throw out, that word uh, diakonos, it is a legitimate Greek word. And it is in the original Greek text. Not all Bible translations use the same Greek text to underline the Bible. Our King James Bible, the underlying text is the Textus Receptus. That's simply a Latin term that means the received text. Now, I could go into the history of Erasmus, the one that compiled the Greek text and put it all together and all that stuff, but I'm not going to do that. If you want to learn more about the King James Bible and all that, go to our sermon audio site, uh, sermonaudio.com uh, forward slash B Chesney. That's what our URL is. Just go on there and look, and I've got a series on why we use the King James Bible. And it's it's all explained there. But the King James Bible translates the Greek word diakonos 30 different times. Now, the thing is, it's translated in three different ways according to the context of how it is to be used. It's used as minister 
14 times, and ministers, 6 times. It's used as servant, such as it here is in our text, 5 times, and servants, 3 times. And it's used for deacons, 3 times in the text. Uh, the singular word deacon is from another Greek word, diakoneo. Uh, so it's it's similar form, but it's actually referring to the office of a deacon. But the very base meaning of the word that's used here is an attendant or one who serves. The King James translators correctly translated this word as servant here in the context of Romans 16, the same way it was translated from the words of the Lord Jesus in the Gospel of John. John chapter 12 and verse 26. These are the words of Christ. He says, If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my what? Servant be. Did he say deacon? No. Why would deacon be put there? It's from the same Greek word. Because of the context of what's being said and how it relates. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. And so, what's the, the base meaning? An attendant, one who serves. So, if you rightly divide the word of truth, then you know that the Bible teaches that a woman cannot hold a position of authority in the church or an office. There's two offices in the church, pastor and deacon. And a woman cannot hold either of those offices. You say, well... The Methodist Church down the road's got a woman preacher. Yeah, well, they're, that's not biblical. It's not biblical. Um, listen to what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 34 and 35. The Bible says, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Make sure you pay attention to that. The law says that. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Now, right away, somebody says, well, you know, Paul's a chauvinist, and, and he hated women, and so he put all that stuff in there, and it only applied to that day and age. Okay, does the other things that Paul says only apply to that day and age? Huh? Is it? What about... Uh, you're saved by grace and not by works. Is that only applied for Paul's day? Because he wrote that too? No. It applies to all. 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 12. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority, authority over the man, but to be in silence. All right. Now, does this mean a woman has to sit with her mouth taped over during a church service? Certainly not. But she is not to hold a position of teaching over men. Uh, she is not to hold a position of authority where she makes decisions about church policy. And so she is to, to hold and be silent in the church uh, toward those things. Now, as for being a deaconess, like I said, there's no such word as deaconess used in the King James Bible. The office of a deacon is only used toward men. Nowhere in the scripture will you find that a woman is appointed a deacon. In fact, that goes against the teaching of the scripture. Listen, 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, 
holding the mystery of the faith and a pure conscience, and let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling the children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. So, now, of course, in this perverted society we live in today, a woman could be uh, considered uh, having a wife, but not in this day, not in God's plan, not in God's uh, authority. He doesn't agree with that. So, no, uh, a deacon cannot be a woman because it must, they must be the husbands of a wife, and a husband is a man. It's not a woman. And so we, we see without a doubt, Scripture teaches that women cannot be deacons, and they cannot be pastors. Those positions are only for men that God has called to be such. Now, it hurts, and I know a lot of people don't like it, but the truth is the Bible teaches a woman's primary place is in her home and to her husband and children. Now, I've always believed in that. Uh, when my wife, she uh, started having children, uh, we decided she was not to work outside the home. And so she quit her job. She had a good job. Uh, before uh, we had children. And so, uh, in fact, she made a lot more money than I made, twice as much as I made. And she quit her job, and she became a housewife, a mother, to keep our children. And she's not went back to a public job at all. She's, she's remained being a housewife, a mother. And I believe that's the way that God uh, wants it. Now, it doesn't mean that women can't do certain work in the church. Of course they can. Women have been gifted, the same as men has been gifted, with certain gifts. They have the ability to do things. But they're not to hold these positions of authority, these offices of the church. They can serve in other capacities. Women can teach other women, and they can teach children. That's nothing against Scripture. They can uh, um, assist and serve, just like this woman Phoebe. She's a servant of the church. That means that she comes along and helps out where needed. She don't get up and preach behind the pulpit, though. She don't do the duties of a deacon, though. But she serves in the church with whatever need needs to be done. And so, um, like I said, only two biblical offices in the church, pastor and deacon. Now, why is this important? Why spend time talking about this? Well, because God is a God of order. In 1 Corinthians 14 and 40, the Bible says, Let all things be done decently, and in order. Listen, God has always had things in order. Not chaos. He's not the God of confusion, the Bible says. He's a God of order. Excuse me. Now, as I was studying over this, and the Lord, he had to be the one that, that guided this. Um, I was looking up a reference in some Bibles that I had uh, to see one thing or another in the Bible uh, how they uh, look the same according to which uh, they're all King James Bibles, but they were uh, published by different publishers. And I was looking for certain things. Well, I got one of my old Bibles that I used all the time when I was preaching and keeping notes in and all this stuff. And so I was going through all my notes and looking at things. And I came across a note that my dad wrote um, back in 2015. This was one year before he died from cancer. 
And um, if you know my dad, he was a great Bible teacher, taught for years and years. He was a public school teacher. He retired from teaching from the Knox County school system. And then he just be taught in churches, uh, different ones, Sunday school classes and, and Bible studies. Wonderful teacher, uh, studied constantly. But I was, I had a, a business trip on that particular week uh, that he, that these notes were from. And he was filling in for me on a Wednesday night. He was teaching a Bible study. And I got these notes out and I, I had them put in my notes so that I could read this to you. It's not real long. It's uh, one, two, three, four, five, about six uh, paragraphs. But I want you to listen to what he wrote in this lesson plan and think about it as the God of order, which is what is titled the God of order. He writes this, the controversy surrounding the issues of a woman's role in the church is largely due to a lack of understanding of the divine order of male-female responsibilities. Adam was created first. Then, because he was insufficient alone, God created Eve and presented her to Adam. The man is to leave his parents' home and make a home of his own for his woman and any children that they may have. This places a great responsibility upon the man to provide and protect for his wife and family. By virtue of the male's superior strength and natural aggression, this role falls to him. As he was created in the image of God, his role includes a sacrificial love for his woman that if required, he would die for. It logically follows that the man will desire that his woman receive the utmost respect and will be encouraged by him to develop and practice any natural or divine gifts that may be given her. In no way should the role of the man be one of oppression. God never oppresses his children, but encourages them to use their gifts and talents to the fullest. The woman was created from the side of man, and her divine role is to be at the side of her man. The woman is by nature not as strong physically, nor is she normally as aggressive due to hormonal differences. The nature of a woman is that of a nurturer comforter, supporter, advisor, and encourager, as she too is created in the image of God. She is exactly what man needs, as man is exactly what woman needs, in order for both to be fulfilled in God's order of things. She's been given this role just as man has been given his role. When this is understood and practiced, harmony is the result. Personal fulfillment is the outcome. The notion that men are to lord it over women is not God's will, as some seem to think it is. The virtues of both man and woman are to be combined into one entity in accordance with God's original plan. This order of male-female roles is to be followed within the church. Men are to provide and protect. This places them in positions of pastors, deacons, and other church offices, which require facing a hostile world. A strong male role is needed as well when protecting the church from false teaching and heresies that often creep in. Men in the church also must understand that the woman has God-given abilities and divine gifts that must be used in order for the church to function harmoniously. When the divine order of male-female roles is ignored, dysfunction occurs. This is why the Apostle Paul did not allow women in the role of teaching men. This is a sign of a weak male leadership. His scolding is directed at the men of Corinth in this instance. Women teaching men is a reversal of the divine order and should only be practiced when no man is willing or available. Just as when a home is deprived of a man, the woman must assume that role. 
There are roles for both men and women in the church. They're equal in importance. The church that deprives women of their God-given characteristics and divine gifts is a dysfunctional church as much as the church that places women in male roles as pastors, deacons, and other offices that require male characteristics. As the Apostle Paul stated to the Corinthians who were out of order, God is a God of order and decency. Written by James Chesney, March 24, 2015. I think that is very, very clear in understanding what, what my dad wrote. And it is exactly the way that God shows us in his word. Now, in the case of Phoebe, the servant of the church, she was more than likely a wealthy widow. We don't know. We don't know her age. It's not given. Nowhere else in the Bible can we find any more information about this lady. Uh, she most likely assisted many people, which Paul says she did. He writes, she has been a secure of many and of myself also. That word secure right there, it means one who aids, helps, and defends others. So Phoebe is one that comes along and helps people. Now, we have no idea exactly how she helped Paul. He said she did. She was a secure of many and of myself also. It could have been a number of things. Paul was often sick. He may have needed a place to rest while in his sickness. She may have taken care of him. I can imagine this lady opening her home so that Paul and his ministry team could stay there while Paul recovered from sickness. Perhaps she come and brought cold uh, compresses and put on his, his head or, or helped him break a fever or fed him or whatever he needed. I, I assume all these things about her, but we don't know because the Bible doesn't give us any detail about it. Um, when Paul would travel and have to go onto the sea from Corinth, he'd go through Sincrea and probably pass by uh, Phoebe's house. And Phoebe probably said, when you pass by here, stop in. I'll feed you all on, on your way. And so uh, some of those could have been the ways that Phoebe helped. Uh, some believe that Phoebe perhaps owned a home there in Sincrea and opened it up to all fellow travelers that were Christians that would come in and stop and stay and feed them and give them a place for a, 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 maybe a night's sleep. Um, some believe that she held the church there in her home, that she might have had a large home and a lot of people came and congregated together and uh, held services. Now, we don't know that. The Bible doesn't say it. This is all purely speculation on our part because it's not what the Word of God says. But we, of course, have inquiring minds. And inquiring minds want to know. And so we kind of think about these things. What we do know about this lady is that she was a servant of the church. She's one who came to others' aid. One who helped, one who defended others. Now, for whatever reason, Phoebe has business in Rome. Paul is telling the, the Roman uh, church there that she's on her way there. And he's telling them beforehand, she's got some kind of business. We don't know what it is. That's one reason why we think she's probably wealthy, probably owns a business, may have inherited it from her husband when he died or, or something. We don't know all the cases. But she has business to attend to. And from all indications, she's not been to Rome before and met these people because Paul's explaining who she is. He wouldn't have had to have done that had they known her beforehand. And so he says in verse 2 that you assist her in whatsoever business she has need of you. Uh, it was common in that day that if you were visiting another country, 
that you brought papers along with you or a commendation from someone so that when you came and they say, hey, what do you, you know, what's your business here? And she, she gave him this letter from Paul and said, right here, Paul, right here, commends me and recommends me and, and this is my purpose and all this. If you've ever traveled outside the United States, you would understand this. Every time you go to a different country out of the U.S., you have to go before someone with your ID, your passport, and all this, and they ask you questions. They ask, what is your business here? How long are you staying? What company do you work for? All this stuff. And so anytime I've been to Canada, I've been to Mexico, uh, those are the only two foreign countries that I've been to. But both times, that's the way it was. I had to stop there uh, before the immigration place as, as you go in. And they say, well, you know, what are you doing here? And I said, I've come here to work on a computer, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, they want to know about you. Well, in the same in, in Paul's day, they're traveling through Roman cities and colonies. And here's a stranger shows up in Rome. Hey, what's your business here? Well, I've got these papers from the Apostle Paul. And he's commending me and recommending me to come here. And, and this is the place I'm going and speaking to these people. So Paul writes this letter of commendation so she will be accepted by the Romans. He also wants them to understand just how special of a person Phoebe is. She's not just your ordinary, everyday person. She's someone who helps. She's a servant. She's one that's secure. She helps people. And so I want you to treat her just like you would treat me. Whatever she needs of you, if she's got business there and she needs your help, help her out. And I'll back her up. So it's Paul's way of of saying, I have her back. You know, you can put anything on her on me. And so uh, this is really about all we know about this lady, Phoebe. But it is believed uh, that she was the one who actually carried the letter of Romans to the Roman church from Paul. The, the Bible doesn't say that. However, uh, most Bibles, well, I'll say about 50% of the Bibles, at the end of Romans, of the book of Romans, down at the bottom of the page, you can look in your Bible right now and tell me if it says something like this. Written to the Romans from Corinthia, uh, Corinthians and sent by Phoebe, servant of the church at Sincrea. Now that's what uh, the bottom of a lot of Bibles say at the end of Roman, the book of Romans. Now I checked uh, numerous Bibles. I've got, I don't know how many King James Bibles I have here in the house dozens but I, I checked through several last night and it was half it was 50 50 this one that i use right here to preach from this uh, schofield old king james uh, bible uh, old schofield king james bible not old king james but <laughs> the schofield bible i use it don't have that in it in fact the other schofields i checked don't have it either but uh, other bibles did um the, the roll-off King James Bible I have, it's, it's got it down at the bottom. Um, I, I just recently got a, a Bible that was self-pronouncing Bible. I've got it here in the podium right here. Okay. Just, in fact, uh, this old uh, Bible from Collins World's King James, uh, this is from 1960-something, and it has that note in the bottom of, uh, of the chapter there in 16. So uh, it's possible probably more real likely that she did deliver the letter that Paul wrote and uh, gave to the church there at Corinth. Uh, the truth is God includes many different people in the Bible. 
Some he provides abundant information about. We can go back and we can look at the life of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and tell you almost every little detail about their lives, good and bad. Some people, only their name in passing. We don't know anything else about them. Most of these people Paul lists in this 30-something list of people, that's the only place you see them. Don't know anything about them. Uh, That's all the Bible says. But they are mentioned. And then you have people like Phoebe. Phoebe is given to us as an example of how we are to live. Uh, you find certain people like that were not a whole lot said about Lydia, the seller of purple that Paul met on his first missionary journey, his first convert there. Um, not much is said about her, but we have the example of what she did, what she did. She allowed him to come to her home, and she, uh, she, had, she helped him there. So she was much like... Um, um, Phoebe was here, or Phoebe. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> but she was, the Bible tells us she was a servant of the church and a secure of many. Would to God that all of us could be said, that could be said about, that you're a servant of the church. That simply means that you help out, you do whatever's needed, you're willing and happy to serve in the church. And it's not just the church you're, you're helping out, it's, it's the Lord's work. That's what the church is for, is the Lord's work. And so, also a secure of many, that's one that helps, comes along, aids, defends, whatever. We should also be that for other people. Especially Christians, fellow Christians, anyone in need, we should be right there to help them out. Whether it's monetary, physical, um, maybe it's a spiritual need they have, we need to be there for them. And so we can use the example of Phoebe in our own lives or Christian walk to, to model after. We can look at her and say, I'd, I'd like to be like Phoebe. Yeah. A servant of the church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning thanking you so much for the message. Lord, it has helped me tremendously as I've studied over this text. God, uh, everything that we can find about, about Phoebe, Lord, just that we understand what a, a, a wonderful person that she must have been. And God, that we can model our lives and our spiritual walk after her and be a servant of the church and one who helps others. Lord, I'm praying for those that's here today, Lord, that may have a need. Lord, I pray that you provide that need. God, those that's listening online, Lord, we're praying for them. Lord, we pray especially today for those that are lost and undone, those that are bound for hell right now, God, because they've never trusted you as their Savior. Lord, may this be the day that the gospel penetrates their heart, Lord, and you convict them and show them the need to be saved before it's too late. Lord, help us be a shining light in this world. Lord, and we'll give you the honor, the praise, and the glory for it all. For it's these things we ask in the name of Jesus. And amen.